So, uh, you know, we're going to jump into what it is that I have on tonight. Um, I'm just encouraging you all that are here, as whether you listen online. Y'all, look, let me tell you something. In spite of what's going on, I have never been more excited in my entire life based on what is going to happen for me and the people that are connected to this ministry. Now, we're praying for the rest. I don't know about all that. I don't know your pastor, but this house is going up. It does not matter what happens in the world. Man, I'm just like, man, I'm more like looking at what's, what's going on in the world. is like a movie. Yo, this is some interesting foolishness right here. Wow, look at this over here. Somebody got shot. Somebody got maimed. A helicopter crashed. I'm just kind of looking at it the same way I watch a movie. Because that does not apply to me. Because trust me, like I said on New Year's Eve, what you're seeing is a law of seed time and harvest. So, you know, I know that they broke into the Capitol and some, I think someone got shot and killed. And the fact that they had to pull their, you know, guns and all of this type of stuff that's going on and... Well, if they shut me down, I just go ahead and shut me down. I will say something that I had no plan on saying. All righty here, let me get a drink of my Gatorade right quick. There are some people that were, uh, of course, praying for President Trump to win. There are some people that were praying for uh, Biden to win, and that's neither here nor there. I just want to bring up a point. Ah, yeah, I'm going to just go ahead. God has a funny way of teaching people lessons. He just does. He has a funny way. And I know I had planned on not saying any of this type of stuff. People have their different opinions. <laughs> yes, they do, Jesus. Yes, they do. <laughs> Audience is laughing at me and everything. So I'm going to address it this way. You know, there are prophecies out there about the president was supposed to be a two-term president. And so there are some people who that believe that, and so they're a little feeling funny right now. You know, well, if that is true, most people don't know that if you run for president of the United States and you serve a term of four years, you can then run again. It doesn't have to be consecutive. You understand what I'm saying? It can be eight years, and then you can, or it can be four years, then someone else comes in and you come back in, in four years. I want to share with you just a pattern that I saw. And I'll be very careful because I know that there are more than the eyes can see listening to me. And so... There are some things that are allowed to be judgments against people. There are some things that are allowed in, so that the sons of God can recognize that they're wrong about things. It's kind of similar to what the children of Israel. You know, whenever God picks a leader, the masses don't like him. And whenever the masses pick a leader, usually God doesn't like him. And so it's a very interesting story about a particular man of God in Scripture and um, he was a priest, and it says that his sons were acting a fool. And it says that his sons had a love for money. They were doing the priesthood based on money. And so as a result of that, the people then no longer wanted a priest. It says they wanted a king. And you have to be careful when you just demand something because of your personal injustice. What you want may not be the answer. And so they went to the priest, and they said, uh, 
Was it a priest or was it a prophet? It's a priest. We want a king. And so he went to the Lord and said, well, <laughs> your people want a king. He said, well, go ahead and give it to him. He said, because with them asking for a king, they're rejecting what I want to do. He said, so, so what they're asking for, it sounds like a simple request, but actually it's just their rejection of following my ways. So he said, so you can give them a king. He said, but give them this warning first. Tell them that when they get this king, let them know what's going to happen. So he listed, went down the list, and basically he was saying, the king is going to run through all your family members and use them as slaves. And, and you're going to lose, and, and what you want is going to end up killing you. And you go right back and read that. It's in Samuel. And when they listened to the verdict of what was going to happen when they got this king, they said, whatever, tell God to give us a king. So he went back to God. He said, they said they want a king. He said, give it to them. Now watch. So there's a pattern. And I know that people are going to like this. I will make a public service announcement for all of those that begin to persecute me and my teachings. Bring it on because you're just helping me. Okay. <clears throat> How do I want to say this? The current administration is not out the White House yet. Y'all follow me? Right. Let's just look at one thing. The previous administration that had a king that they wanted began to do things in this particular area like embrace alternative lifestyles and, and, and change the name of genders and light up the White House in the rainbow colors and, and uh, make it okay for me to put on a dress and go in the woman's bathroom, okay? It was, it was patterns there, taking the Christ out of Christmas, okay? You saw all of those patterns. One of the things that you notice is under this current administration that everyone says is evil, those patterns disappeared. They were reversed. Christ was back in Christmas. Pay attention, and you didn't see that on commercials this time for the last four years. Okay? They reversed the bathroom law. Okay? Okay? We were allowed to say, I was allowed to say I was a man and a father. She was allowed to say that she was a mother. Okay? Okay? And so, so now that it seems like another administration is going in, all of a sudden now um, it's this push where before the next administration even goes in for them to say the first rule of thumb is we're going to take we're going to get rid of the word father we're going to get rid of the word mother we're going to get rid of the word brother i was surprised i didn't hear this it's been all over the news we're going to get rid of the word sister and anything that has to do with man or woman we're going to change those words it's the first agenda that they have to go in okay and so and then you heard about what happened on the news in regards to a man who i believe is an ordained minister um, on the house floor, um, I don't know if he opened the ceremonies or closed them, and I won't mention any names, but there's another part to the prayer. The other part of the prayer is worse than the end. He ended the prayer by saying, a man and a woman. Now, Christians are going to say, oh, that ain't no big deal because we got our king. And I'm telling you, church, it's coming for you, and y'all ain't ready. I am they ain't ready. It's already starting and they ain't got in yet. But, but to ignorant folk who don't know about the kingdom of God, that's light stuff to them. Oh, it, abortion ain't really that big of a deal. 
You'll find out when you stand before the Lord. I want you to ask yourself a question. All life comes from heaven. God sent us a life to planet earth, and you send it back on purpose. And think that it doesn't affect heaven. Think that God is not upset. You understand what I'm saying? And so guess what? You have to be careful what you ask for, because God will give it to you. And Jesus said that. The disciples said, Lord, why are you talking to the disciples, or why are you talking to the people that way? It's like you're trying to confuse them on purpose. He said, I am. He said, because they don't want to hear the truth. And since I'm a perfect gentleman, I'm going to give them what they want to hear. Confusion. And that's a real bad place to be when you see your skin color before you see the word of God. And particularly in minority communities, they're stuck on skin color. Give us black before you give us right. Tack on some money to it and we ignore all things that have to do with integrity and character. And sometimes, folk, oh, God, sometimes when God has someone to rescue you, it's not going to look like you. Because Paul was sent to the Jews, and Peter was, Paul was sent to the Gentiles, and Peter was sent to the Jews. Okay, and in the Old Testament, there were no men who had enough courage to go to war. So God let Deborah lead it. Moses was rejected when he first rolled up on the people. And that's why he had to do signs and wonders. And Jesus said, my own brothers and sisters don't even believe in me. So it's always interesting about the individual that God would pick, not you. God would pick, not the community. God would pick, not culture. The individual that God would pick usually don't like him. And then they begin to judge him. So you get the alternative. And then when the alternative shows up and then the judgment comes, people forget that they were the ones that produced it in the first place. So, that's my rebuke for today, <clears throat> and uh, it is what it is, and, you know, I, oh, God, I see why I had to be right. You can feel that, you can feel that coming through that online thing, man. You can feel that coming, okay? Because there, there are people that lock on to me, and it keeps drawing me toward the cameras. I don't know who's watching, but I'll just say this, is that be careful what preachers you listen to. Because if they can't keep their own personal house right, how are they going to tell you what to do? And Jesus did say that in the last days there'd be a famine for the gospel, which means most of what you hear out here ain't the truth. And he did say that in the last days, he said that he would scatter the flock and he'd start wiping out shepherds until they were dead, naturally and spiritually. And then when they were moved out the way, he would raise up other shepherds that would raise up and teach his flock the way that he wanted to. So, like the Holy Ghost told me, when a church closes, it's not God, it's the man of God. So-called. Churches don't close because of God. Churches close because of the representative. Churches don't decrease and lose and lose members because of God, that he wants something small. No, it's something that the leader is not doing right. And that's the hardest pill to, pill to swallow. I had 12,000 members, now I got 2,000. And then you blame it on the people. No, that's you, dog. Psalm 11, 4 through 5. But the Lord is in his holy temple, which means if your temple is not holy, he is not there. The Lord still rules from heaven. 
He watches everyone closely, examining every person on earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked, and he hates those who love violence. I'm going to start, I used to just go nilly-willy, you know, before, so now because I got this audience, i got to start breaking things down and going a little bit slower, slower, slower. So based on the scripture, one of the first things he said with this graphic that we'll put up, he said he watches everyone closely. And that's the crazy thing, y'all. See, if, how many of you know, if the police say that they are watching you closely, they got you under surveillance. You know what I mean? That means that, that, that when you leave the house, there might be someone tailing you that you don't know about. If the police are watching you closely, it might mean that they snuck into your house when you were at work and put in some surveillance so they can listen to your phone call. You understand what I'm saying? When they're watching you closely. That's the police. What is it when God says, I'm watching you closely? And see, what's going on right now is you got all of this mayhem that's going on in the nation and everybody just running their mouth, never recognizing that God is letting it happen so he can watch everyone closely to see where his children obey the word or obey the man. Oh. So he said, I'm watching everyone closely. So that's how a police officer would do it. And then he says, he examines every person on earth. That's the next slide. Now, how many know there is, there is a difference between the police officer watching you closely versus a doctor doing an examination on you? So I want, I want you to imagine this, is that 24 hours, seven days a week, there is somebody that is watching you closely and examining you all the way down to your cellular DNA. You understand what I'm saying? I had this little mini vision earlier. Y'all remember that scene in The Matrix when Neo finally realized he was the one <clears throat> and everything was like green, you know, and the bullets came at him and he just said, stop. And he saw the three Mr. Smith. He, he was looking at the walls. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had the ability to see more than what was there. Well, when God sees you, he doesn't, y'all, let me say something. When God sees you, he doesn't even see your physical body. He sees your heart. That's what he's looking at. Because out of your heart flow the issues of life. He looks at all of that type of stuff. Then he said, he examines both the righteous and the wicked. We could be deep for a moment and say, well, he can examine us because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. He's always there, so of course he can examine us. But the wicked, they don't have the Holy Spirit, so how are they being examined all day long, every moment? I don't know. Is it angels? Are there technological devices? Um, is it like what the Scripture says? That even the stones and the rocks and the paneling and the birds and the trees are all listening. Remember what that one scripture says? It says, be careful how you talk about the king and rich folk. See, that one scripture is going to be a judgment against a lot of Christians. Whether you like the President Trump or not, every negative thing you said about him, you're going to be judged for. Because guess what? If Biden gets in, guess what I'm going to be doing? Praying the word over Biden the same way I was praying the word over, uh, over Donald Trump. Whether I like his policies or now or not. You understand what I'm saying? Bible told you to pray, not judge. And people, they don't like that scripture. They'd rather judge than pray. Standing before God and a tree starts speaking just like it was in Lord of the Rings. This is everything that you said. And the Bible says, it says, be careful what you say about people who have money and be careful about the president or the king. It says, because a bird of the air will carry your voice all the way to heaven. That's old terminology. The Lord was letting you know that there is technology in the air that you know not of that when you talk, it carries it and puts it on a record. Can you imagine going to heaven and you're like, what's that? Oh, that was a device we had attached to your mouth. 
that was recording every single thing you did. That's why you got to give an account, money term, of every idle word that you spoke because you didn't know that we can record you without you knowing we were recording you. We don't need no electrical sockets. That right there was attached to your mouth. And now it's going to play back everything that you said. And you're going to get a reward or a penalty based on everything that you said. Now, let's see what you said about your pastor. Let's see what you said about your wife. Let's see what you said about your parents. Let's see what you said about rich folk. Let's see what you said about the people at Walmart. That's you off the Turnbull step first in line. Let's see what you said about the president of the United States. And then you're going to have an excuse. And the Lord will say, will somebody please show me in the word of God where you don't have to be judged if you have a good excuse? He examines both the righteous and the wicked. I mean, no, all of us need to be saying, you know what? Examine me, Lord. See, why do you think David said, Lord? He said, create in me a clean heart so that I won't sin against you. The Bible says that your heart is above all things exceedingly deceitful. You can't see into your physical body. How can you see into your spiritual heart? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's probably something wrong with all of us on the inside of our body, some cholesterol, some high blood pressure, some sugar diabetes, something. You always got cancer cells flowing around, all that type of stuff the doctors tell you about. Because you're breathing viruses. All. It's something wrong, but you can't tell till you go to the doctor. Right, right. And then sometimes you go and they're like, sir, you're on your own. We have no idea how to help you. <laughs> hey, so because the Lord watches us closely and because he examines us in minute detail, what we're going to do on Wednesday nights <clears throat> is we're going to uh, look at how Jesus judged seven churches. We'll take one church per week. And with each church, you will see the reward <clears throat> and the penalty system based on each church. So let's go. We're going to do one church a week so I can keep it nice, keep it tight so you can think about some stuff. Okay. Revelation 1, 1 through 3. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here we go, because everybody's scared to read Revelation. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. That would be me, or if you read it to yourself. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Now, this was written 2,000 years ago, and they said the time was near. And in case you didn't know this, the book of Revelation is written based on things that were going on right then, which is about 2,000 years ago, and things that would happen during this time, number one. Book of Revelation is also telling two stories at the same time. It's telling you what is going on in heaven real time and how it affects earth real time. Then it's also talking symbolically and giving you insight into the secret reward system and punishment of heaven. And it's also full of symbolism to help you interpret your dreams. It's a wonderful book. Unless you're not saved, then it's a terrible book. Y'all ready? So remember, the entire, and some of y'all need to remember, the entire book of Revelation is based on two things, rewards and punishment, the whole thing. So let's get into it. Revelation 1, 10 through 11. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see, and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, 
which is the one we're going to look at today, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Okay? So that's how this vision started. Jesus said, I'm getting ready to give you a personal message in this vision to each one of these churches. And so let's read the message all the way through seven scriptures, and then we'll break down each one just for a moment to help you understand. Write this letter in Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Stars many a times are symbolic for an angel or in this particular case, a pastor. The one who walks among the seven gold lampstands, which were the churches, which lets you know that Jesus is here now. I don't believe that. Doesn't matter. He hears now. You just can't see him. One lady said, you know, you can keep the scripture up because I only just make this statement. One lady said that the Lord opened up her eyes. She saw Jesus walking around during the worship. He would go stand in front of people. And when he would, the person's heart would open up. Their chest cavity would open up. And Jesus could tell if what was coming out of your mouth was really in your heart or if you were just pretending. Because I examine the righteous and the wicked. I know all the things you do. I have seen your... I'm going to read this slower. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are preachers, but they are not. You have discovered that they are simply liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. God always starts with commending you, then he rebukes you. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If, then here comes the threat, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place amongst the churches. In other words, I'll close you down. And you're going to blame it on the devil and never realize it was me. But this is in your favor. You hate the, the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whenever you see that term in the Bible, he's telling you it is much deeper and important than you think. Then he gives you an encouraging word. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life and the paradise of God. Y'all got that? Let's go back to verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I won't mention that. I'll just go to verse 2. There's nothing really to mention there. This God always announces himself a particular way. I know all the things you do in verse 2. <clears throat> I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles. And are not. You have discovered they are liars. Now, in this first graphic, he said, I know all the things that you do. Now, how many know that when people say that, they don't really mean that? You know, you know a man might say, oh, I know my wife. No, you don't. What was she thinking about two minutes ago? Well, I didn't mean it that way. Well, that's what you said. So people are always saying that they know things, what they're telling you, that they know an itty-bitty small part of it. Okay? But when God says, I know all that you do, follow me. When God says, I know all that you do, that means then he knows how many breaths that you took while you were sleeping. That means he knows how many times you snored. That means how he knows how many steps you took 
when you got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. He knows what you thought about when you went to the bathroom. And he knows what you dreamed while you dreamed it. Because he knows all that you do. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's the reason why he was able to give them this examination because he knows all that you do. Which means if he knows all that you do, he's watching all that you do. And the biggest and hardest thing to deal with as a Christian in this wicked planet is to keep remembering that God is watching you every second. And if you can ever get that, it'll change your life. Because right before you get, then you'll put it back down. Right before you get ready to talk, you'll put it back in. I am amazed at how I've done such a, a much better job of keeping my mouth closed over everything. It's stuck in your head. You're like, this is crazy, the stuff that I used to say. And I'm not a bad talking person. I'm an encourager. I'm not one of those individuals that something happened, oh, I'll just start crying, get off the rocker. I'm never moved by anything. My wife would tell you that. Sometimes I have to be a little sensitive because, you know, somebody can tell me, you know, that their mom died. And I'll be like, oh, okay. And just keep on walking because I just, I'm not moved by emotions. You know what I'm saying? You can't be in my position. You know, but, but, but still, I, you know, you say little things, you know. You know, and, you know, you, someone cuts you off in traffic and, you know, blow by you too fast. And, and, and what do you come out of your mouth? Look at this fool. How do you know he's a fool? You speed too. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so, and so now that I put myself in check, uh, the same thing will happen. And I get ready to say it and I don't. But in my mind, I hear, look at this fool. Excuse me. And so it's a very scary to hear the little things that you say when you stop saying it because it stays in your mind because it comes out of your mouth because it went through your mind first. And if you don't say it, it stays in your mind. And you're like, oh, I was actually going to say that. Look at them raggedy shoes. But your shoes fell off last week when you were preaching. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing how we talk about people and we're doing the exact same thing. And he says, I know all that you do. And the next thing he said, he said, I have seen your hard work. Why? Because he knows all that you do. So if he saw your hard work, he saw your trifling work. If he saw your hard work, he saw your lazy work. If he saw your hard work, he saw your untimely work. He saw your raggedy. Y'all know what I'm saying? And you can judge and be telling me. I mean, he, man, I don't even need to. I've seen all your hard work. And this is a good thing. Next graphic. Uh-oh. I've seen your patient endurance. Now, he did not say, I saw your endurance. Uh, let me see here. Marlon is at the gym, and I say, uh, I need to test your, I want to see your endurance, okay? Um, well, guess what? I can say, now, get on this bicycle, start riding, riding, and, and, and let's see how long you can ride. Now, in order to just see his endurance, I don't have to keep checking on him. You know why? I can see that he started, then I can leave, and then I can come back in 15 minutes to see if he's still on the bicycle. That's endurance. Then I can leave for another half an hour because I told him to ride for an hour. So I come back in another half an hour and I can look at him and say, oh, okay, he's still doing the right thing. But in order for me to determine if he's doing it with the right attitude, I got to stand there and examine him. Because I don't know if his attitude is good or not if I keep leaving and then coming back. You understand what I'm saying? I have seen your patient endurance. I wrote this down. It's another graphic. You should put this up hanging on your wall. It is your patient endurance that causes you to be rewarded. It is your impatient 
endurance that causes you to be penalized. Y'all got that? First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Uh-oh. Everybody say patient. patient. Endurance. endurance. See, y'all got an attitude now. Y'all ain't even saying amen real good. Y'all was thinking some deep revelation. This is the, it's the stuff you don't want to hear that is the deepest. Amen. It's the stuff that you don't want to do that carries the greatest reward. It's the stuff you want to do when you start losing. Always be joyful. You must be crazy. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He did not say it's God's will for you to be in the circumstance. It's God's will for you to give thanks in the circumstance. Because if you will give God thanks in the circumstance, you will be rewarded for how you carried yourself in the negative circumstance. You know what? I would, I would dare say the most difficult thing for Christians is not so much the action of sin, but the words of their mouth. It's just they'll lift their hands to give God praise and walk right in the car parking lot and talk to one of their sisters and be talking about somebody. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing that this society and your family members and the culture on your job and the culture on television, television teaches you to just run your mouth about stuff you don't know nothing about. It just teaches you to do that. It teaches you to judge. It teaches you to be negative. It teaches you to gossip. It teaches you to be secret in one ear, and you're doing the same, exact same thing. You know what I'm saying? It just teaches you that. And yet, that's how you lose a reward. Because he said, always be joyful. So they're going to examine you in your situation. And there are some people that the only reason why you're in a bad situation is because they're trying to help you get on top of that. They haven't learned a lesson yet. Send them back around the mountain again. Let me tell you something. When you learn a lesson, the lesson stops. I just said something. When you learn the lesson, the lesson stops. So if it hasn't stopped, it's probably because you haven't learned a lesson. And sometimes the lesson is not can you stand in the situation, it's can you shut up. Yeah, this is not going to be a very, very... Uh, Popular reward message. I can see that right now, Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And it's amazing. People will be thankful until they get bad news. People will be thankful for the good circumstances. But if they find out they got a bill, if they found out a, a, a loved one passed away, if something negative happens, if they get fired, if they get laid off, if they, if they get in promotion, I mean, it's just a whole list of sentences I can keep come up with, and when it happens, the first reaction for people is to complain, get an attitude, lower their shoulders, depressed. Why me? Because you haven't learned a lesson. That's why you. Y'all, let me tell you something. It is amazing what lessons stop coming when you haven't learned a lesson. And, and children of Israel, they didn't learn a lesson for 40 years. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a 13-day lesson that turned into 40 years. So much so that one time during the 40 years, the Lord told them, y'all have gone around this mountain long enough. When will you get your act together? And they died in the wilderness. 40 days. 40 years, excuse me. Died. They imagine taking a 40-day journey that was supposed to take 13 years. It was supposed to take you 13 years to become, I mean, it's supposed to take you 13 days to become a multimillionaire. And you died broke. It's the children of Israel. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, there's, the Lord is finally answering my questions about why the body of Christ 
doesn't have certain things, and it's this right here. It was the reward system. We talk too much about the wrong stuff and don't talk enough about the right stuff. And when we do talk, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. You don't believe that. You're just saying that religiously. Got a big old sign, my house is protected by the blood of Jesus. You don't believe that. For most people, if you believe it, you wouldn't have to put out a sign. You're trying to convince yourself. Every time you pull in the driveway, I think he's here. Whatever. Next graphic, I know you don't tolerate evil people. God wants to look at you and see what you support. Ain't nothing wrong with me supporting or abortion. Jesus is like, wow, my child actually supports the murdering of children and is on board about changing it to a fetus instead of a child. So you're telling me that life, oh, who came up with this theoretical dumb issue that your child is not a child until it comes out the womb? Who came up with that? The devil. Like I tell you before, John the Baptist, when he was in the womb, he jumped just when he heard Jesus' mother talking. But you can't tell stupid people stuff. They like to stay stuck on stupid, and they're going to stay stuck on stupid until they stand before God. Right. I don't want to stand before God. And that was on. See, <clears throat> I had a person tell me one time, you on the wrong side of history. I said, you're right, but I won't be on the wrong side of eternity. And in eternity, the history books are different up there than down here. Down here, they told you certain folk invented stuff. It's not true. You'll find out the truth about everything when you get up there. Revelation 2-3. Oh, man, we're going down. You're like, I could have stayed home for this and watched this online. You have patiently suffered for me with the... I'm telling you, see, this is the stuff that Jesus is looking at when he's watching you closely and examining you and determine whether or not you're going to get rewards or not. He said, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. You have patiently suffered for me. Hey, don't, now, don't be suffering because of you. A lot of Christians suffer because of themselves, not because of the Lord. Oh, man, y'all just, man, I should have, maybe I should have wore a suit tonight. Maybe I should have came in in some shorts and gym shoes. They probably turned me off online. I probably got two people viewing me and my wife, and that's because we maybe shared it or something. It's, you have patiently suffered for me without quit. Who plans on not quitting this year? I said, who plans on not quitting this year? Amen. Who plans on not quitting this year? Amen. First Corinthians 4.17. It's one of the reasons why you need to not quit. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. That's one of the reasons why the Lord lets you suffer. When you suffer, you're thinking about now. He's thinking about later. You're thinking about what you're going through right now. He's thinking about you shouting later. And he will let you suffer up until the breaking point. He could go further if you adjusted your attitude, but your attitude is so funky while you're suffering, simply because you haven't got a raise. Your attitude is so funky, he just takes you to the breaking point. But the reason why he allows you to go through certain things, he allows you to stay in it for, uh, for a minute, is because he's thinking about the future you're thinking about now. 
He's thinking about later. You're thinking about right now. He's thinking about what you're going to get later. What did, he, what did he say? He said, I know the thoughts that I have concerning you. They're never evil, only of good, to give you an expected end. So anything that you're going to today, God is thinking about what it's going to produce at the end. And he wants you to be happy at the end. He doesn't want you to get to the end and say, oh, now that I understand the truth, I could have stayed at that a little bit longer because I didn't know what it was producing. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Okay? So again, every situation has an expiration date. Just make sure that you don't stay in it too long. Because the Bible says weeping endures for a what? Night, not a lifetime. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Your affliction is for a moment, not for a week. It's for a moment. But, but the more you get your attitude together in the moment, don't let the moment become a whole lifetime, folk. You know, it's supposed to be a moment, and you keep adding minutes to the plan. Because God is more interested in your character than he is your prosperity. He is more interested in your character than your gifting. He is more interested in your character than your place in the kingdom of God. Revelation 2.4. Oh, but here we go. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. How would he know this about you? Because he's watching you. It's a simple message, you all. I kind of took a break tonight. I didn't tell you this, but keep it simple because we're going to crank back up starting this weekend. But the Lord is watching you, and, and, and he said, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. So look, let's look at his definition of love because everyone has their own definition. Your definition has a stop limit. His doesn't. It's something I keep trying to let go of, keep trying to let go of, keep trying to let go of. And the Lord said, nope, do it again. And every time I do it, and I'm like, this the last time? Nope. Do it again. Because the Lord's patience is a whole lot longer than mine. And every time I obey in spite of my feelings, he's stretching me into himself. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is large and incredibly patient. Y'all ready to go home after that right there? Is your love large or small? Your love plans on being large this year. It's going to increase more and more this year. That's what you should be saying to yourself in the mirror when your cousin is getting on your nerve for the 15th time. Love is large and incredibly patient. Not patient, incredibly patient. So even though I keep trying to stop, God keeps trying to get me to go more because your patience is supposed to be incredible. I only got one amen. And she, she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Love is gentle. Can't stand rude people. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. That's why my wife and I go to a restaurant. We give the same big tip, whether the service was wonderful or terrible, because your character is not going to change mine. God is good. What? Then so are his children. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. It refuses to be jealous. Uh-oh. When blessings come to someone else. You better be careful when you become jealous of somebody. You don't know the seeds that they sowed. Something we're working on right now. When you see it, you're going to faint. It's too much stuff happening to us now. We ain't even got nowhere. It's 
We sitting up in the bed, ain't even praying, not even in the word. We ain't doing nothing. Laying in the bed for five, six hours talking about this is crazy what's going on. I can't share it yet. When I share it, y'all gonna be like, yeah, I think I need to stick around here for a minute. It's insane. It's insane. We just wait. I gotta wait on a phone call. <laughs> ah! Whoa, Jesus, he is already moving. He's moving way too fast for me. But some folk gonna start getting upset. They don't know what type of seeds we sow. And what did God say? He said, whatever you sow in secret, I will reward you what? Openly. They can put the cameras on me for a second. I forgot they might have had it on the scriptures. He said, what you do behind the scene, he said, I'm awarded in front of everybody on the scene. It don't matter if they're sitting at the table and they don't like you. I'm going to still give you a bigger plate than theirs. I got to do this in front of your enemies. It's, it's the principle of you got to do it in secret and I'll reward you openly. And there's, let me tell you something. When we do things, I mean, you know, typically the women have a better memory than the men. Okay, so I can bring up something. My wife will say, oh, yeah, she said, you know, that happened in, 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 in 1983. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You had an old jeans that I've been telling you to get rid of for years. And I'm like, what? Women got a memory, man, like a computer and a Rolodex and a library. All of a sudden, they know what a Rolodex is, but you know what I'm saying. And so, and so, and so my wife was like recounting certain things that we've done in secret. Now, only as a pastor will I share certain things publicly for the purpose of teaching you. Because the Bible says do everything in secret, but there will be, th there will be things that we will share um, so that you can be blessed and you can understand how to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So it's all about motive. But she got to counting, she got to rehearsing to me decisions that we have both made over the years. And we forgot about it because when I did it, I wasn't doing it to get a reward. I was doing it just to try to please God. I mean, she was talking about men of God that had done me wrong and, 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 and how one I had to write a letter to. And she said, not only did you write him a letter, she said, you gave him $1,000. I was like, what? She said, you gave him $1,000 and he still just treated like it was nothing. Okay? So there are seeds that are sold. See, my wife served in children's church for was it five years? She served in children's church at the River location for four years. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. It don't matter if it was a move of God. And to this day, I don't even know. I forgot to ask you this because you didn't get home in time. But, but to this day, I don't even know what her attitude was like. I don't know if she despised it, if she was just doing it. Her thing was, this is what's necessary. I'm going to serve. She did that for four years. She wasn't like, I'm a first lady and that's too good for me. I need to look real cool up front. She was behind the scene for four years, every single Sunday. Sometimes doing it here on Saturday. Four years, every single Sunday. Not in the service. So there's certain things that's already coming to her and people are going to be jealous. But where were you at when she was doing it for four years? You understand what I'm saying? We are servants. Everybody want to shine now in ministry. Yes, amen. So that's just, and there are things that we have done that we can't tell you. Because in order for me to tell you, it means I got to expose other people. There are some things that I have swallowed you all, and, and most people couldn't swallow that. Okay? And so, I mean, I mean, there's still something that happened to me, and it's the only thing that my wife thought that I lied to her about in marriage. She said, ain't no way in the world that happened to you. And it happened. She just got over that maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. And it happened in 2000. It was straight wicked. But see, my wife will tell you, see, how many of you know? It don't matter what somebody else saw. It's the individual that's living with you that can tell you the truth. And my wife can tell you that this boy kept his attitude straight when people did me wrong. Period. 
There is no man on the face of this planet that can say that I did them wrong when it comes to ministry, period. Just can't. See, so I, I, I was serving, and I was doing the right thing, and we were doing the secret, because all of a sudden, all of this stuff starts springing up. We're like, where is this coming from? And the Holy Spirit had to remind her, you forgot that the word of God is true. You do the right thing long enough. What does the Bible say? It says, don't get tired of sowing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. It may seem like nothing is going to happen, but just keep on doing it. Do it because it's the right thing to do. Do it because you just should be happy that you're going to heaven. So if you had to do it every day and you got no reward, be happy that you are going to heaven. Just do it day in and do it day out. Don't worry about being seen. Don't worry about making a name for yourself. Just do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And if you don't go tired, one day it's going to be a tree in your front yard with gold apples on it. I don't even know what scripture I was reading. <clears throat> oh, let's get back to the love scripture. Y'all was getting all caught up in the prosperity and the sowing the seed. And y'all, I'm, I'm just pausing there for a moment because that's very, very serious. You remember what Jesus told the disciples? See, some folk don't know what we gave up. I, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm kind of talking like Paul a little bit. I'm talking like Paul a little bit because you got to be careful about not losing your place. People don't know what we have given up. They don't know what sees. They don't know how many times I have been to the brink of death to try to learn this stuff that now, because see, that's something the Holy Spirit told me. He said, whether they like it or not, he said, it's your time to leave. The church, not this one. The world. And they're not going to like it until they see how many people follow. But he said, the time has come. That's the reason why I had you in secret, to hide you, because someone like you could only come forth when the rest backed off. He have you in the secret for a reason. T.D. Jakes taught a message I never forgot called Hidden. He said, Lord, I hide you from the rest so they won't corrupt you and use you up before your time comes. It'll just keep you hidden away and they won't use you and they won't promote you and they don't want you to preach and they overshadow you and they fire you and they get rid of you and you blame it on them. You should be blaming it on God. He was protecting your behind. I recognize that now, but I didn't recognize that then. So you, I'm telling you, and, and let me tell you something. <clears throat> it's very scary when you have consistently sown big seed. Because that's how many know the harvest is always bigger than the seed. And, and, and so people might see some things show up, want me to give it away, not me. I'm enjoying my stuff. Amen. And if the Lord tells me to give it away, I'll give it away. That's one thing the Lord, that's why he can bless me with stuff. Because, you know, I don't care about nothing. God can bless me with a Lamborghini. And if I even think he told me to give it to somebody, it's out the door. Because I know that there's some more coming. And it's very, really important when you don't care about the Lamborghini. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a crazy feeling to care about it, but don't care about it at the same time. Oh, I mean, I, I'd really love to have a Ferrari, but I've never, I never get one. It ain't going to be the end of the world for me because what I got up there is going to make a Ferrari look like less than a speck of dust. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right. And Jesus told the disciples, they said, they said, we gave up everything. Jesus said, really, you gave up everything. If that that's what you think because you're looking at the moment and not the future. He said, you ain't gave up nothing. He said, any man that gives up anything for me, he said, you get, he didn't say you get it back. He said, you get it back a hundredfold. That's a promise. And then he did it a particular way to make sure people weren't confused. He said, you get it on this side and the other. That's what he said. He said, if you've given up houses, he said, if you gave up a house for me, he said, you're going to get houses in return. He said, if you gave up lands, he said, you're going to get lands in return. 
He said, if you gave up brother and sister, you're going to get brothers and sisters in turn. But he did say, if you gave up a wife, he didn't mention nothing about that. He left it out. <laughs> Go back and read it. He knew not to put that in there. Okay. And so I have to say that because, you know, it's just this, this new generation of preachers, they want something for nothing. They want a platform, but they don't want to pay a price. They want status, but they don't want, you know what I'm saying? They just, they don't know. You, you got to be ready for something like this, folk. My wife will tell you, I, was pro I probably thought I was ready in what, 1996, 97? Because I had a little bit of revelation knowledge. And then the Lord told her in what, 93 or 94 that I was a pastor. My, the Lord, he told her for he told me. Because he would have had told me, I wouldn't have believed it no way. But he told her in 1994 that I was called to be a pastor. Didn't step into it until when? 2011. Because what I thought I was ready to do, I was not ready to do. I was ready to destroy it. Because don't give a, a, a new person too much. They'll be lifted up in pride and they think they're on a level that they're not on. Because you got a little bit of revelation and a few people said amen. Now you think that you're ready to be big dog. And then waiting for Satan to just snatch your leg off as soon as you step out the front door. No, we're going to kill you in private so that you can live in public. We got to kill your character. You're going to have to die. You're going to have to go through some stuff. You got to know what it feels like to be alone. You got to know what it feels like to think that God has left you. You got to know what it feels like to be hopeless. You got to know what it feels like to be in the dark, don't know which way to turn, and you calling on Jesus and he ain't come yet. You got to know what that feels like because that's all that's coming for you when you actually get to this point right here. Speed. It's a different grace on this sucker. I'm trying to tell you something on here. Don't lose your place over some pride. I didn't see, I didn't see many men lose their place over pride. And ladies, y'all gotta be for the ladies. I hate to say this, ladies, because the scripture is <clears throat> the scripture is full of examples of men that acted a fool. How many of you know that? But it's not a coincidence that every great man it is brought out that there was a woman that acted a fool around him. Eve didn't listen to her husband. Now he was a dummy instead of telling her to stop. She didn't listen to her husband. Okay, Abraham's wife came up with another idea. Abraham said, this is what the Lord said. Well, that's not what he really means. Let's do this instead. Miriam, Moses' sister. He, she didn't like a decision he made, so she started running her mouth. Well, you know, I'm anointed too. And Moses didn't even know what was going on. He just know that God called him to the front carpet and said, hey, man, uh, all y'all come forward. And, and, and Moses didn't even know that he was being talked about. And the Lord just took to him and said, now, um, he said, now, uh, before I rebuke you, let me know something. Let me help you understand something. He said, if I decide to call somebody a prophet, I will reveal it to them in a dream. Now, I was taught it takes 70 years to become a prophet. That's a lot. That ain't nowhere in the Bible. If you are a prophet, you born one. For all y'all have been taught, take a long time for you to become a prophet. That is nowhere in the Bible. If you are a prophet, you are born one. I was a pastor, I was born one, which means I was a pastor when I was living in sin. God was still training me. Yes. Whatever you're called to do, you born that. You don't become that. You just learn how to grow into it, but you born that. I don't even know good English, but bad English just sound good sometimes. It just, <laughs> at least it sounds good to me. I learn how to speak well. <laughs> what was I even talking about? Oh, yeah, Miriam. Y'all remember her? Left sick. 
Job's wife hit the breaking point. He tried to maintain his integrity. She said, just curse God and die. That is not the thing to do when I have lost everything. I need his help. David's wife didn't like the way he was praising God. Couldn't have a baby forever. Scripture bring those things out because there are certain warnings to the men and there are certain warnings to the women. And one of the warnings to a man is if you are attached to a great man of God, be careful that Satan does not use you and you lose your place forever. And to the men, there are even greater warnings. Oh, man. So again, there's some stuff coming this year. No, I'm for real. I ain't talking about no faith statement and, 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 and this is the year of great increase. And then we get to December. We got two weeks left. It didn't show up and God can do it. No, he can't. He, he ain't about to do it. He didn't do it for the whole year. He's not getting ready to do it in two weeks. Y'all keep doing the same foolishness every year. Just admit that your pastor was crazy. He don't know what he was talking about. He tried to hype y'all up that year and it didn't happen in your life. Read the Bible and exercise faith for your own personal household, regardless of the word that is shared that year, because whatever is shared was supposed to happen 10 years ago. How many times y'all see, see Jesus or anybody else in the Bible? This is the year for such and such, and this is the year for such and such. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying eventually we got to get away from that and go to the deeper, which is we live this. And if anything, God got to slow us down. There's <clears throat> some stuff coming. If you see me pull up in something, don't be out there with your knife trying to cut the tires. <laughs> something just happened for us, and it made us be like, we were like, okay. I'm not going to tell you. Because it's so scary, it's so scary we don't want to tell you because, and I have, to, I have to be careful how I even let this out because it's going to get a lot of attention from people because people are going to like, what does this mean? And I'm just telling you, it's a different grace and there's some things coming to this ministry. You better be glad you attached. Amen. Don't become detached over your sin. So in the Bible, you only see people get dismissed over two things, sin and pride. That's it. You don't see people get dismissed because of mistakes. Disciple made them all day long. You don't see them get, you definitely don't get to see people get dismissed because they preach too good. You know, in church you can get dismissed because you preach better than the pastor. And, you, you know, that's a lot of places, especially in the speaking in tongues ones. Ooh, don't give a prophecy that's better than the pastor's. Don't see something he couldn't see and they got to shoot you down. You don't see people in the scripture get disqualified for that. It's always pride. You think you're something that you're not. Always. Stay humble, folks. Be a servant. Amen. Slaves don't question anything. They just do what they told. Because they're a slave. Okay. You see the three mentalities. You see the three mentalities when it comes to um, certain places. You have the mentality of the worker or the employee. You have the mentality of the volunteer. And you have the mentality, mentality of the servant. Those are the three mentalities that you find in individuals. The worker, the volunteer, and the servant. The servant is the one that's the best. Sometimes the volunteer is the one that's the worst. Because the volunteer is not getting paid, and they think that you need them. So they just do whatever they want to do. Because you need me, and the whole ship is going to go down. No, it's not. Oh, Jesus. 
Love does not, bro, here we go. It refuses to be, what oh, time is it? It's 8 o'clock, time to wrap. It's 8. <laughs> Love does not brag about one's achievements. It does not inflate its own importance. Well, you know, I'm a pastor, and most of y'all broke. Can't even raise up a dead fly. People love, you see, titles make you entitled. You get a little title, you feel like, hey, I'm an apostle. Now, I don't have a church yet. I do have a bodyguard, and I walk around with a cane, but I'm an apostle. I get more calls from so-called apostles talking about who's my covering. Wonder Woman, that's who my covering is. That's the type of stuff you want to say sometimes. And I shouldn't have said that. That didn't sound right because somebody would be thinking some perverted mess. You know, I'm just saying that. Why are you, why? Everybody wants somebody to be under them for pride's sake. I heard you an up-and-coming pastor. Uh, and so um, I need to teach you a few things. Really? You about to teach me a few things? You don't even know what I'm doing yet because they assume that the new guys are poverty. And you know what the sad part is? You know how I back them off? I tell them I don't do offerings in the service. Oh, you full of the devil. And, and it's, they, can't, they, can't, they can't conceive a church that would fly without doing offerings in the service. That is just beyond them when they're raising three or four and still struggling, trying to get me to come under them, and I'm under the biggest thing in the planet. Oh, Jesus. Y'all about to find out some stuff in a minute. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. The Bible says, let another man praise you and not your own lips. Love is not easily irritated, uh-oh, or quick to take offense. Oh, Lord, have mercy, Father. People know they can take offense over any little thing. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, and it never gives up. Think about it. If your love walk is slow, you're going to give up real fast. So love is not what you think it is. It's, it's a different definition than what's being taught. Revelation 2.5. So he said, all of that, he said, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Man, I'm going to keep saying this, brother. There's some stuff coming. I don't care what they do out here in this world. It is some stuff coming. Oh, I'm going to act a fool this year. There's some stuff coming. I'm letting you know. I ain't talking about like coming. I'm talking about good stuff is getting ready to come. I'm talking about some. My eyebrows are going to stay up like this for the whole year. Matter of fact, I might just shave these off and have them penciled in like the ones that. Can't wait. We can't wait to share with y'all something. At this point, my wife and I understand that the purpose of this ministry is greater than what we understand. There are some things that are going on, and, and, and it's a little bit scary, I have to be totally honest with you. Because if you're a slave and God gives you a vision of you being a king, that can be intimidating. If you just got fired and then God shows you owning the company you got fired from, that can be a little intimidating. And there are some things that are happening, and not only are they happening, but it's the way that they're happening that the parties involved all recognize God is up to something, and it is no way it's not big. We just don't know how big it is. And nobody can understand it because none of it makes sense. 
and it's never been done before. You know, when I hop you up, you know it's usually good at the punchline. Ain't nothing worse than a good old trailer, and then you go to the movie, and it's just as terrible <laughs> as your neighbor's next-door dog. It's just Revelation 2.5. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Right? Revelation 2.6. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Notice he said, you hate their deeds, not them. And so God is watching you to see if you hate what he hates and if you love what he loves. God hates, I don't know why I keep bringing this up, God hates abortion. But some people, you see, your actions are not gray. If you support it, it means you love it. It's as simple as that. You got your own definition of love. Well, I can hate it, but still support it at the same time. No, you can't. He said you hate, and, and, and apparently, see, these are all blessings and punishments. You know, how many, you know, you know how you can fill out an application for something that you need to get? Like maybe a loan or, or a house, and, and they're going through certain things that you need to have, and then it might say, oh, this right here, oh, this is, this is in your favor big time right here. This is, can really, really help you. That's what God is saying here. When you, hate, when you hate evil, when you hate sin, that's a really, really big thing to him. That's going to your, that's kudos. Those are extra points. Those are extra rewards just because you hate sin. There's too many people that you're trying to make excuses for it. I don't, not only do I not make excuses, I don't respect people that walk in that. He's a billionaire. Uh, yeah, and he's much lower than me. Remember what Jesus said in Revelation? We're going to get to that to one of the churches. He said, you think you're rich. He said, you're poor and miserable. A billionaire is trash compared to what we're going to walk in in the future. Understand what I'm saying? I don't have nothing against Bezos. I don't even know him about his character or anything like that. Is, is it Bezos or Bezos? Bezos. I don't know anything about him. He's a billionaire. I am not jealous about the least little bit. You know why? That man is broke compared to me. But you're looking at his house right now versus my house right now. But you haven't seen my house or house is. And I can guarantee you, if he's not a believer, regardless of how, house, how big his house is, it couldn't fit in my refrigerator in heaven. Remember that picture I showed her this weekend? And I showed her the woman's mansion, and she said the trees around the mansion, she said some of the trees were larger than planet Earth. How big is your house when the tree around your house is larger than planet Earth? That's why God said, quit paying attention to the wicked. I'm not saying Jesus is wicked. I don't know what I'm about, man. But quit paying attention to people that don't live right and all these reality shows you're so impressed with because they got tats and, and bodies and everybody want to take a picture next to a car they don't own. <laughs> and ladies, quit showing your booty to the whole world. That's only supposed to see, your husband only supposed to see that. And what it is, women infatuated with showing their, everybody their rear, rear, and let me stop. It's a particular way you're supposed to take a picture. Like a queen. Queens, they said, I ain't even, I'm not even going to do it. I'm not even going to do it. <laughs> Help me, Father. Let me anoint this whole. I need to go back up here. Y'all know what I'm saying. It's not how queens and kings take a picture. Kings sitting up there. Last time you seen a real king take a picture like that. 
Everybody want to be a king, but don't want to act like one. It's because you haven't been trained like one. Revelation 2, 7, let's close this. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, here's the promise, I will give fruit from the tree of life and the paradise of God. Forgot to put that scripture down, but the tree of life is probably the most dangerous tree that ever exists, we are assuming. Because if you take one bite of it, you can't die. If you go back and read Genesis' account, remember when Adam and Eve ate the fruit? It's a tripped out thing because it says that she ate the fruit and she didn't die. God told them, he said, the day you eat this fruit, you're going to die. Okay, well, Adam carried the seed, not Eve. So when he saw her eat it, she didn't die. That's why he then said, well, maybe Satan is right, and that's why he took a bite of it. Once he took a bite, that's when they died. And what's deep is when he took the bite, both of them died because she came out of him. So when he died, she had to die. Okay. Understand what I'm saying? Right, right. That's what it means by in all men, in Adam, all men die. Because before Adam and Eve started having children, we were all on the inside of Adam. So when he died spiritually, we died spiritually in him. So you're born spiritually dead. So she ate it. Nothing happened. He ate it. He died. She died. And then they knew they were naked. And then when you go back and read Genesis chapter 2, God says something very, very interesting. He says, look, the man has become like us to know good and evil. He said, now let's remove him out of the garden. Lest he eats that tree and lives forever. See, that's what people don't understand about spiritual laws that God has created. He can't and he won't change them for your benefit. It's as simple as that. How I many? He could have destroyed the tree. He didn't do that. Was nothing... There was nothing wrong with the tree. And if there's nothing wrong with it, he won't change it. He'll just move you. So he said, we can't let them eat that tree. And the Bible says he put a mighty angel with a flame and a sword that went every which way. If you stepped up, you got sliced to a billion pieces in one second to protect the tree from the man who might come back and disobey the second time. Because guess what? If you ate that tree and died, surely you would disobey and run to the one that lets you live forever. Okay? And that same tree, you have to eat it when you get to heaven. It's one of the first things that you do. Get up there. And okay, well, you made it in. Okay, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're qualified to eat that tree. Since you are like Jesus, you no longer have this earth suit. And, and I, don't know what, I don't know what fruit is on the tree. It could, be, it could have several different types of fruits. You know, it could, be, it could be an olive because apparently that's God's favorite fruit is the olive. He said, that's my fruit, that I use my holy oil for special purposes. So that fruit on the tree could be an olive. I can guarantee you it's not an apple. Does everybody say opinion? It's either an olive or it's a pomegranate. Because God said the olive was his personal fruit, okay? It's like the tithe, like the, uh, like the Jewish people, all of those things, like the tree in the garden. And, and then, for some reason, he always used pomegranates every time he had them engrave the temple and make stuff out of gold. And with their clothing, he would all say, engrave pomegranates into everything. So I don't know if a pomegranate has a special purpose, because with, with all of the engraving, he didn't use olives. He used pomegranates. Maybe those are two, God's two favorite, uh, favorite fruits, you know? I mean, 
It seems like his favorite color is green because that's the dominant color in the planet. Green trees, green leaves, green grass. You know, I don't know. Man, I have to do anything. But, but that's the tree of life. So that's, the, that's one of the who knows how many hundreds or thousands of rewards. And that is, if you are victorious and you are faithful and you make it to the end, I will let you eat that fruit. Once you eat it, you are just like me. You can't die unless this, they can figure out a way to kill me. And if there's anybody in the universe that can figure out how to kill God, then you die. But until they figure out how to kill me, then you can't die. So go eat that fruit. How many know? Ain't nobody walking over there like, yes, just going to touch a couple of flowers on my way over there. And, oh, that smells nice. How many know you run into that tree? Just in case Satan peeks back up and does something stupid. Y'all know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm getting this in now. <laughs> Can you imagine what it tastes like? The most important fruit for all of eternity. Can you imagine what it tastes like? Can you imagine what it looks like? No, you can't. Last scripture. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, based on this, be strong, immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless, but things you do for yourself might be. Always remember, there are sins and there are weights. Weights are things that you like to do that are not a sin that God doesn't necessarily have a problem with. But if you involve and engross yourself in it too much, it will slow your results down when it comes to your reward system on the other side. You'll find yourself watching too much TV, talking too much. How I many you know social media has some type of demon on it that just sucks time away? You can go on that thing. And, and 30 minutes can pass by. You're like, all I did was look at one individual. It's just something like, and you find yourself being, you know what I'm saying, sucked away. And so there are some things that are sins, and then there's some things that are weights. And the sins and the weights are both useless to God. And you only get a reward for the things that are useful. You don't get a reward for the things that are useless. And it says any and everything you do for the Lord is always useful. Whether it be prayer, whether it be word time, whether it be serving, whether it be coming to church, whether it be for, if you just forgive somebody that's useless to the Lord, that's useful to the Lord. Any area of scripture where the Lord told you to do something, if you do it, it becomes useful to the Lord. You just can't trace certain things because you've never been taught how powerful you are. Scripture keeps telling you how powerful you are. Out of your heart flows the issue of life. There are frequencies that are coming out of you. Okay, the occult now has taught, understands that the law of attraction will make things come to you because you are a magnet. There are a lot of things that we are. You are a magnet. You will always attract what you just keep on thinking about and what you keep on believing and what you keep on seeing is coming right at you at 100 miles an hour. That's why when it comes to the good, right before it shows up, Satan will try to get you to do something stupid. Right before a promotion. <laughs> it was an individual. I was, I was, now, I always pray about things and all of that, but... I really was going to promote the individual. Right before the promotion, they did something stupid. I haven't seen them since. It's Satan is a master at making you miss the next step, which is a victory. Peter walked right up to Jesus, and that's when he started looking around. How many know that if you walked on the water in the midst of a storm and got up to Jesus, you should be able to stand there and walk back to the boat? But that's how it is. He'll let you walk on the water for a minute because Satan wants you to get out there first. 
Then he brings the fear, knowing that you're out there and now you're ready to sink. So you got to stay in the Word. You got to stay in prayer. You got to make a decision here and online, whoever else is listening. You got to make a decision. Does eternity exist? Y'all, can I just say one more thing? Because it's only 816 and let you go. I'm going up here to make it feel like I'm done. <laughs> I, uh, there's something that's going on with me that the Lord is trying to prepare me for. And it's very, very big. And, but, you know, if you actually, actually, if you actually sit, have you ever done this? You actually lay on the bed and you actually just think for a moment just how big planet Earth is. You know what I mean? That we're, that we're right now sitting in a great big ball that is barreling around the sun while turning around at the same time, and it doesn't fly off of its orbit, and it's a, it looks like a ball, but it's actually not a ball. It just looks like one. Most people don't know that. And, and that's why they keep arguing back and forth about the flat and the round principle. It kind of looks the same way that the ocean is not blue. It's just reflecting the sky. The moon has no light. It's reflecting the sun. So things can throw you off if you don't know the truth about them, you understand? And, and, and it can be very overwhelming to recognize. You know, there's something that just really hit me today. And I'm just like, how do you not have a beginning? You know, and it just, I almost felt like I was going to explode on the inside. And I got nervous. And I'm like, well, we don't really know who this man is upstairs to save us. What if something happened to him? You know what I mean? I mean, I was just really... <laughs> that's what I think about because we don't know him we just know about him a little bit we know what he's done for us you know that you have undeniable proofs about the manifestation of your heavenly father in your life you know how you were as a sinner and now you know that you are saved and you know that somebody changed you you've heard his voice you've seen his power but you don't really know him nobody does who is this dude that got so many names you can't count Who's this dude that has given you every? He said, you are a farmer, you're an athlete, you're a soldier, you're an ambassador, you're a king, you're a builder, you're a garden. You're a son of God, you're a priest, you're more than a conqueror. Who is this guy that saved us and turned us into all of those things at the same time? And how, and that's the, that's the thing that just, it irks me. How do you not have a beginning? And even if God did start, where did everything start from? And you're going to wreck your brain trying to figure out that. The same way that if you don't put in that computer the definition of a tree, it will never for a million years be able to tell you what a tree is because it didn't put it in you to understand. And there are just some things that God did not put in us to understand because look at what we have done with what we do understand. And it is only by the mercy of God that the planet has not imploded with the little bit we do understand that 10% of our brain. What, happen, what happens if we operate at 100? You understand what I'm saying? And I have no idea why I just brought that up. It's just, I'm just, you got to ask yourself a question. Oh, that's what it was. You got to actually sometimes go outside and look up in the sky at the moon and say, am I going to really believe these idiot fools, stupid fools in the words of Mr. T that are trying to tell me that there was an explosion in outer space and all of this perfect symmetry and all of this perfect technology and all of this perfect engineering and gravity just happens to be in the planet so we don't fly out the planet. 
all of us came from a tadpole, tadpole, then we turned into a Neanderthal, well, chim chimpanzee, then a Neanderthal, I don't know which one came first, and you are a knuckle-dragon Neanderthal, as they say, and then you evolved into this intelligent being, and our eyes just happened to be in the right place, and our nose happened to be in the right place, we, our mouths happened to be in the right place, and it just so happened that our mouths evolved with all these thousands of taste buds to be able to enjoy food. It just so happens that you can hear and enjoy music. You're telling me that all of that just exploded. And they want you to believe that. And they will call you a fool because you don't believe that. And the Bible only, the only thing the Bible says about an atheist is one thing. It says only a fool says that there is no God. To convince yourself, and there are no experiments, I know I'm done, there are no experiments that they have ever, go home and put a bomb in your house. Don't do that unless you're rich, okay? I ain't even doing that unless Go home and put a bomb in your house and explode and see what order comes out of that. It's just complete chaos. You understand what I'm saying? But they want us to believe that, that it was an explosion in outer space billions of years ago, trillions of years ago, eon light years, years ago, and then all of these planets just formed themselves. Do you realize how much of an idiot that you got to be to believe something that idiotic and stupid? that all of this stuff exploded and we got all of our different personalities and we can talk yet we can hear we can smell and you can't taste food if you can't smell it most people don't know that you cannot taste food if you don't smell it we have the ability to think we have the ability to create the same way that this planet was created but they want you to believe it was a big bang and as long as you believe that you don't have to live right as long as you believe that, we can reject God. As long as we can convince ourselves of that, we can continue to create and run with our perversion. Because if there is no God, you're not human, you're just an animal to do what you feel. And you only live once. And everybody listening to me tonight, you're going to have to ask yourself, is there a real God? Did he send his son? And when I changed, was that fake in my mind or was it real? And this Bible that you'll never see a television program saying is fake. Is it 100% true? Because it's either 100% true or it's 100% false. And if one part of the Bible is wrong, all of it is wrong. That's why they can't prove it to be wrong. You got to ask yourself, if that thing is true, then I better be about my father's business. I better live for him and let this raggedy world go. I better live for him and start praying for people and reject this world and live holy and turn off this television, turn off these games and stop doing stupid stuff and stop. I need to work on myself if I'm going to have to face that dude on the throne that created all of this craziness where the universe is traveling and expanding at 186,000 miles an hour and you don't even know how fast that is. And that is the dilemma is that these pastors won't tell the people that. They won't just simply face Satan and say, oh, you have created new swords to kill me? Watch this. And then go and tell the truth and see if you can kill me. They're too scared. Like I said, the Bible says it is the fear of death that keeps you in bondage. And right now, everybody is scared. They're scared of Satan. They're scared of the government. They're scared of the Republicans. They're scared of the Democrats. They're scared of the whites. They're scared of the blacks. They're scared of the ants, and they're scared of the bats. They're scared of everything. You can always tell when I go too far scared and yet the one who created you said you are more than a conqueror and he said I have not given you the spirit of fear so if you are afraid of anything it came from another source 
I don't want anyone to listen to this and say these are great sermons for people that are new. Oh man, my church didn't teach this and this is real good and wow, this is wonderful. There are no sermons that are meant to be listened to. They are meant to be practiced. If there's never anything that you have ever practiced before, you need to practice all of this that we hash out every week. You need to address this and do it like a business plan. You need to be writing things down. You need to be taking notes and going back and listening. This creates rewards. This creates rewards. So that you know how to do this on purpose every single day so that you can get your greatest reward. Remember what Paul said? Do these things so you get your full reward. I'm trying to get it all. And I got a lot of catching up to do. But I'm moving fast. How about you? Okay, let's go ahead and stand. Thank <laughs> you.